In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Beth Laurie, and I'm here today to share on Disciple Makers Podcast with you. Excited to uh, just spend a little time with you today and talk about discipleship. So I thought it might be great to start off talking about how discipleship can unravel racism. With everything that's happening in the world right now uh, around us, it can be upsetting to see um, so many people that are hurt and angry and and really just wanting change. I'm a white middle-aged female that lives in a fluent suburb of Atlanta. I have not experienced racism. But earlier this week, I met with a white woman who was searching to understand her part in ending racism. She was seeking to know how to help. She acknowledged that black lives matter. Then she asked the question, what do black people want? What can I do? As we talked, we attempted to feel what our black brothers and sisters might feel or might need. In a spirit of empathy, I responded, I think they want our hearts and minds to be changed so that there is no racism in our communities, no racism in America, no racism in the world. But it goes deeper than racist words and actions. Our beliefs need to change. If there's any thought of skin color decreasing the value of a person, it must be replaced with new beliefs. These are things God needs to change inside of us. Racism might be one of them. As a mentor once told me, the more you think you know, the more you better repent. A truly wise man would never think everything they believe is accurate. So it seems to me we search to get it right, not to be right. As I pondered the conversation later, this came to me. There's only one thing I have seen that changes our beliefs and sparks us to love others. That is being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is learning to be like Jesus. It is both the inward change of our mind and our heart from union with God, and then the outward action of loving others, serving others, and making new disciples. A disciple is a pupil, student, apprentice of Jesus. Discipleship is training. It is a process where we put ourselves in a place where God can transform us into the image of Christ and servant of God. We can act kind, show love for each other. We can do all that without even having the aroma of Christ or being with Christ while we do it. We can do it for our own glory, for our own recognition, or to feel we've met some standard. That is not the proper motive of love. That does not bring God glory, and in fact, it makes us like the Pharisees. It is only by becoming one with God that we act kind and show love without even trying. Once our responses become automatic, we will respond to all people from a place of humble compassion that glorifies God. How do we put ourselves in places that can change our responses to love and make us Obey the easy yoke that Christ offers? Discipleship. See, I'm passionate about discipleship. Discipleship is not just understanding. It's experiencing God's presence and practicing how to live differently. The opposite of our culture, like choosing to look out for others' interests more than our own. If racism is based on a sense of superiority, the only place I know that teaches humility is discipleship. 
Seeing the humility of Christ and trusting God to meet our needs allows us to die of self and take the lowly position instead of the superior one. In the parable of the guest from Luke 14, Jesus asked us to take the worst seat at the event. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Seriously, this is the opposite of what we think, what we do. Such approaches are not taught in the world. One of my favorite books in discipleship groups is Andrew Murray's book on humility. We must be humble and die to ourselves to be able to come like, become like Christ. Do I think a book will make it happen? No, but it will be a good seed, a good seed that can grow beautiful in our hearts and make humility real. We don't spend 18 hours talking about humility from the pulpit. We do spend 18 hours talking and praying about humility in a discipleship group. In discipleship groups, we focus on three things, knowledge, character, and skills. Knowledge is the information we need to renew our minds as described in Romans 12, 12. Knowledge is not knowing facts from the Bible. Knowledge is studying the scriptures to see how the kingdom of God works. It is to gain understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, and how we can live with them here and now. When God's words come into our mind, we start to speak like Jesus. Dallas Willard says, Do not use the Bible to confirm what you think you know. Use the Bible to find the lies within yourself. Our society loves information. We live in information overload. We like it at our fingertips whenever we can get to it. We value facts. We value figures and objective data. We like to reason our way through life by using our own wisdom. But that is not what God is calling for in renewing our minds. He wants us to distinguish truth from Him and lies from the world. He wants us to grasp the things of God and the kingdom of God. Such knowledge brings freedom. We no longer live and guess how to live our own lives. Instead, we know and follow Jesus in all situations. Knowledge of God and His kingdom helps us navigate this world with a new view. We can learn to live a Colossians 3, 2, that is to set our minds on things above and not on the earthly things. The things of this world grow dimmer as we have knowledge of the kingdom of God. Character is who we are when no one is looking. Austin Channing Brown says, The work of anti-racism is becoming a better human to other humans. We develop our character by participating in spiritual disciplines that bring us into the presence of God. Examples could be prayer, meditation, fasting, silence, solitude. John Wesley called spiritual disciplines means of grace, as they are activities one can do to experience the grace of God. Spiritual disciplines are part of the overall lifestyle of Christ. Many times when reading the New Testament stories of Jesus, we are so amazed by Him feeding 5,000 or walking on water that we overlook the words in the text that say, He went away to pray, or sent the disciples ahead so He could go to the mountain alone to pray. Jesus spent significant time with the Father in prayer, fasting, silence, and solitude. He modeled His time with the Father for us. We cannot become like Jesus if we do not participate in these life-giving activities that allow us to commune with God. Without them, we are a vine separated from the branch and can bear no fruit. 
On the opposite side, spiritual disciplines cannot be works of righteousness, as it is God that changes us, not us changing ourselves. For example, many can fast to lose weight, but they do not grow in the fruit of the Spirit by fasting. Only those that fast to seek dependence upon God are able to grow in His graces. Another example could be the study of Scripture that leads to knowing facts about Jesus but not knowing Him personally. Satan knows all the Scriptures. Clearly, he is not like Jesus. Spiritual disciplines used to grow us closer to God and in time can yield the fruit of the Spirit. My daughter asked me a great question last night. She said, why do we have to stop and pray with God? Sometimes it feels like one more thing to do. I think that we forget that we are both spiritual and physical beings. God is a spiritual being. We must use our spiritual self to connect with Him. A husband and wife can spend time together in each other's physical present, yet it is only the spiritual activities that allow us to spend time with God as He (laughs) is a spirit. So it's sort of like, I guess, learning another language. There's some effort to connect But once we learn how to connect to God, it brings such great blessings and understanding. Skills are tools in our toolbox as disciples of Jesus. There's a book by Paul David Tripp called Instrument in the Redeemer's Hand. It's a great book about being present for each other as God works within us. I love the metaphor. God does not have any hands, feet, or a mouth on earth. Instead, He lives inside each of those who accept Him. As we learn to obey God, then He can use us like instruments or tools to do His work. If someone needs something, He can send us. He can send us to bring the change the world needs right now. Often we talk ourselves out of such work when we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We talk ourselves out for two reasons. Either we're not in love enough with Jesus yet, I say yet, to say yes, or we do not think we're equipped to comfort someone hurting to pray for someone needing healing, to counsel someone that needs to make the right choice, or standing up for injustice when the battle seems too big. Many times, Christians think the task of that work is for the pastors, but that was never God's plan. He wants all of us to be able to pitch it for Him when He calls. In discipleship groups, you practice sharing your testimony and telling each other about your faith. These skills bring confidence, the confidence of Christ, not the confidence in yourself. We learn to care for each other, teach each other, invest in others, and disciple others. These skills allow us to say yes quickly when the Holy Spirit nudges. Let me give you an example. You may have heard this on a previous podcast because I shared this with Mark when he asked about my faith journey, but when I was finding my Uh, prodigal girl daughter, (laughs) way home to Jesus after uh, leaving him for some years, I came to Mount Pisgah and I sat on the back row, the back row of the worship service, and I cried. I was seeking to be united with God, but I was confused by, by what people were saying. They were using all this words and language that I didn't quite understand. And one of them was, you needed, I needed to live for Jesus. I didn't know how to do that. I got the name of a lady at Mount Pisgah named Penny Morgan, and she called me. I think she thought I wanted to serve or get connected to a class or something, but I was bold. I was broken, and I was in need of of direction. And I said, I need someone to teach me how to live for Jesus. She responded, 
Let's have coffee. For the next four years, Penny met with me regularly and discipled me. She was an instrument in God's hand to help me navigate my way home to Jesus. Penny was willing to say yes without knowing what I needed, how long it would take, or even how it would go. It was an act of love for her to teach me so much of what she knew about Jesus Christ. It wasn't pushy or hard. It was loving and caring. Jesus brings other humans as tools to help fix broken hearts, free our minds, restore our identity in Christ. He wants each of us to be an instrument in His hand. So through knowledge, skills, and character, we start to develop that sweet, beautiful aroma of Christ. Our life starts to look like His. You know, as I, as I think, we don't have any stories of black racism in the Bible, but we do have stories of prejudice. One that comes to mind is Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. The people of their, th- their time thought Zacchaeus was less than them because he signed up for that type of work. He was less than them because he cheated his people. He was less than them because he helped the Roman Empire. The people of that time thought Zacchaeus was too lowly to associate with because he was unredeemable. Judgment is never grounded in humility. Judgment is grounded in arrogance. What does Jesus do? He stops, he acknowledges Zacchaeus, and he invites himself to his house. Clearly, Jesus does not concern himself with his own reputation, as that was not what righteous people did back then. Jesus was concerned for Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was made in the image of God and for God, and he had gone astray. Jesus' love convicts Zacchaeus of his sin and his need for restitution. Jesus reminded the onlookers to acknowledge people and care for people because he knows that being seen and heard produces a harvest of healing. Jesus gets us to think counterculturally, to do what comes unnatural, to seek to be last, to care for people over our reputation. We need to learn this stuff. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The barrier to discipleship is that many of us do not participate in the steps of changing our mind, our character, and our actions to become like Jesus. We do not take it seriously. There's a cost to discipleship, which is why some cannot follow. There are Christians today who do not want to do what Jesus taught. They want to do what they think is best. They do not think of themselves as rebels or outlaws needing radical change. Many Christians believe they're good people. They are probably good people. They do not think they need God's grace and God's truth, which even good people need. They only want a little help from God when they ask for it. See, that kind of thinking, that keeps people stuck from growing as true disciples of Jesus Christ, of of getting past um, keeping it superficial. It, It allows it to go much deeper. Helping people grow into imitators of Christ in both character and action is the exclusive and primary goal of the local church. It is our mission here at Mount Pisgah. But discipleship can often be forgotten. One of the greatest contemporary barriers is the overconfidence of the spiritual efficacy 
of, quote, attending regular worship services. Though they are vital, vital, they will never be enough to make disciples of Jesus. Jesus never said, worship me. He said, follow me. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if I want to be a disciple of Jesus, we all need to use our efforts to spend time with God, seek Him fully, obey out of love until, until we become imitators of Christ. There's no special talent, no personal skills, no educational program, no money or possessions required to make it happen. It's just ordinary people that are apprentices gathered in the name of Jesus, immersed in His Word, taking steps toward infer- in word, excuse me, inward transformation as we put on the characteristics of Christ. That is all that is required. The heart change to end racism comes from the desire to love God and all of His children, no matter what their skin color, status, accomplishments, or sin. Jesus taught us our neighbor is all people, even those very different from us. Discipleship is about love. We love others with the love Christ has given us. Love can be listening. Love can be helping. Love can be teaching and investing. Henry Nouwen wrote, The question about Christ is not how many people will take Him seriously or how much are we going to accomplish? Can you show me some results? But are you in love with Jesus? In a world of loneliness and despair, there's an enormous need for men and women who know the heart of God, a heart that forgives, cares, and reaches out and wants to heal the world. To end racial injustice, we must become like Jesus. Human problems cannot be solved by human means. We need the Lord to do His deep work within us to bring the kingdom of heaven near. I'm not saying this will be easy or fast, but it is still should be what we seek, what we want, what we, what we hope for. So my prayer for us is simply, yes, Lord. When we pray these two words, we acknowledge God is in charge and we are not. We give up control and place all our trust in Him. The Lord is constantly moving in the lives, in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we simply pray, yes, Lord, we are responding to His leading and direction. We are responding and placing Him in charge of our lives. Then we learn to be like Jesus, learn to live like Jesus, learn to love like Jesus. If you are a disciple maker, thank you. You're changing the world. You're doing your part in ending racism, unraveling it, and and making us learn to love people, all people. Don't forget to teach and model the transformative practices that Jesus modeled for us. If you are desiring to be a disciple of Jesus or move forward from a stuck position, find someone to invest in you, disciple you, and ask Jesus to do a deep work within your heart and mind. And remember, only constant students of Jesus can be given the adequate power to be light in this world, to change the hearts and learn to love your neighbor. We cannot do it alone. Then, be gentle with yourself. Be gentle in discipleship. And remember, we are all on the same journey, walking each other home. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.